Welcome to Rapture, a Bioshock lorecast, where people of the Bioshock fandom can come together to experience life beyond the sea. So buckle into your bathosphere, ready your plasmids, and let's dive in as we explore the history and lore of the Bioshock series. Hey guys, welcome to Rapture, the Bioshock Lorecast. Bit of a new one for us here. We've got a guest of the show that actually listens to us and has written out to us. His name is Hunter. Um, He approached us probably about what? uh, November. Around November. Wanting to know if he could be on the show. He's got some ideas about some things. Wanted to talk about some stuff it's crazy it's awesome it's surreal for us to meet someone outside of our friend group that's listened to this um i'm just rattling on here you could chime in at any time i'm always the one rattling so uh hunter how about you give us a brief okay the second echo is gonna drive me nuts uh a brief like summary of how or why you got a hold of us I'd be happy to do that, and I'm also happy to be here as well. So once again, my name is Hunter. I also go by Hunter DMC. I run the Mysteries Unknown podcast, which is a City of Mist Let's Play podcast. And I was actually, so I've always been a fan of the Bioshock games, played all the way through the first and through Infinite. I never got to play the second one, but I was always told, oh, you don't need to play the second one as long as you play those two. So, but I do know... I do know the second one, though, like the aspect of it and the whole kind of plot behind it. So I'm familiar with it to an extent, just not in regards to all the characters that are in it. But, yeah, I was actually looking. So I was actually thinking about a Bioshock tabletop game. There's actually another podcast out there I listen to. They have a homemade Bioshock TTRPG that they play. And I started listening to that, and I'm like, they use a D6 system. It didn't feel right. So I'm like, what if I just use an existing system already to create it and so i thought about using a d20 modern i didn't really like the feel of that and then i thought wait the first bioshock game is more of a horror aspect based so let's do call of cthulhu the whole entire point of getting scared out of your pants the entire game with that and so i've been kind of working on designing a little one shot based around that and i wanted to learn more about the lore of the game like go more into the aspects of the people and all that and i discovered the lore cast that you all guys do and i actually learned a lot like because i never knew andrew ryan was an immigrant i always thought he was just an american citizen didn't like what was going on and decided to do his own thing so 
I didn't know all that about Andrew Ryan myself. And so that put a lot of things in the aspect for me. So learning a lot from you guys and just want to come on, talk to you guys about just kind of our takes on the games and all that. And yeah, that's basically the most, most, the gist of it. I mean, I'm actually kind of excited for when you get this up and going. Like, I'm down to play with you. Well, that sounds wrong, but... Definitely <laughs> offer the input yeah. on whatever you need help with. But for sure, definitely a willing participant. Oh, yeah. Because as a, like, side thing that we do, we do play D&D with a couple different groups. And of course, right now it's a little hard with work, holidays, just being done over with. Um, everybody come down sick as we've had to cancel on you before because of us being sick. Um, but yeah, like I- I'm excited about this. When you emailed us and I was reading it, I was like, yes, th- this is something that I didn't know I needed. Now I, I will personally say that I am unfamiliar with many, uh, tabletop RPGs we just started playing a couple years ago. So I've always had an interest in stuff like that, but just never really appealed to it. Never had a friend group that was dedicated to it until I got older. And so just starting into all this is easier for me to pick up on concepts than, you know, playing for years and years and trying to do something new. So, yeah, so my TTRPG history kind of put that in aspect is I didn't start really getting into the games until like maybe a couple years ago because like I was always heard of Dungeons and Dragons. I was familiar with Critical Role, never really got into it myself. And then the pandemic hit and I had a group that played City of Mist that followed me on one of my Instagrams. I started listening to their podcast that they did, which got me interested in the game. And for those who are curious about what Seamus is, it's a powered by the apocalypse-based system. So it's a 2D6-based game. And you're basically you're playing as modern-day people with the powers of, like, gods and monsters and all that. So, like, you could be, like, as I like to say, the milkman that delivers the milk, he's the crooked man. So if there's a mist that rolls through, you're going to see this man kind of get all bent out of shape and crooked. Or if you go to the bank teller at your local bank and that mist comes through, uh, you're going to see the incarnation of Queen Cleopatra right before you. So it just depends on how you want to play it. And then from there, I got looking into other different game systems, like kind of started doing Dungeons & Dragons a little bit. Uh, really got started looking to Call of Cthulhu, which is, to explain that for you guys really quick, Call of Cthulhu is supposed to be based, the original basis of the game, it's you're playing as like 1920s, 1930s characters dealing with eldritch horrors. And there's, like, magic and stuff that plays on, but you're playing as, like, citizens from, like, back in the day, just fighting these ancient eldritch beings, which is why Call of Cthulhu. Cthulhu is one of the main baddies in the game if you play it. But I decided that this would be really interesting to take the horror aspect of it and apply it to Rapture. Because I remember going through that first game, there were so many jump scares. I remember just jumping out of my seat trying to play the game, especially if I'm playing in the in the middle of the night. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's one thing that's always got me with Bioshock. It's the very first time I did expect the horror aspect. Well, see, even some of the uh, body horror aspect to some of the Splicer's looks and stuff, too. Yeah, I remember um, 
Well, in my yeah, well, I remember the first time I played Bioshock because I had heard of Bioshock when before I started playing it, and then I got the game, and this was back when this was like I got this like before Steam became popular when GameStop had like their own like up little system where you could buy games through them, and then they had an app that you could play all the games through on your PC. That's how I played it the first time around, and I remember I played that I don't know how many times. And it seems like I was always discovering something new every time I would play through. Like a little piece of the tapes that I didn't pay attention to before that I decided over here. A secret room I may have missed the first time or second time playing around. It's like you always, you're always going to discover more the second time you play around. And it was about the same with Infinite too, especially when my, my purpose with Infinite was I really was trying to get like all the achievements. And so you're really exploring to get a lot of that stuff. But yeah. That's kind of been my, my thoughts on the games. And I, and I say, um, so when I compare Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite, Bioshock had the better game mechanics, but Bioshock Infinite, to, to me, had the better story. Because really, Bioshock Infinite went in-depth about a lot of things. Not to mention that Infinite had better graphics, but it's also a newer game compared to the first one. But now that uh, the remastered happened, it it looks a lot better. It actually flows with Infinite, in my opinion. Oh, I did not... They remastered the first Bioshock game? I did not know that. It was uh, part of the Bioshock collection. Had 1, 2, and Infinite together with it. And they remastered 1 and 2. Just uh, nothing really major. few graphical changes updated to graphics, really. Yeah, I made things that were like really dark, hard to see a little lighter that you could see it. it 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 looks it gives the overall look a lot better makes it look run look better on modern consoles run a little smoother i'll have to see if they have that available pc because that's definitely piqued my interest now so nice yeah they do I'm i've actually go- played uh started a uh, playthrough on it i did a uh live recording uh live stream yeah live stream sorry what in November, December? Uh, or no, it was after Halloween. I was gonna say right around after Halloween. And I'm Gary. Try setting up a second one here soon. So trying to do different challenges and whatnot through the game, like uh, uh, using only a weapon through a certain section or certain plasmids, and trying to get input from the viewers and stuff what they want to see done. Nice, yeah. I remember when I the few the, the many times I played the first Bioshock game. I haven't played it in a long time, so now that I know they remastered, I definitely want to get back into it again. I could never keep with like because I always end up with trying to do a playthrough where it's like I either want to either save all of them or get all the little sisters for their Adam, but it's like I could never fully commit to like one or the other. I always ended up either either needing the Adam for something, or I would actually make a mistake and I do the other option. When I meant to do one option, so I could never fully commit to choosing like one of those kind of paths when I was trying to play the game. But I always, but, that, but that's actually ties into why I said that I like the by the first Bioshock game mechanics because in the first Bioshock game, you had access to all your plasmids and your weapons just right off the bat. Whereas in the Bioshock Infinite, you had to you could only like a select a few to use right off the bat, and if you wanted to change them up, you had to like go into the menu, select which one you wanted to switch out. And then do it that way, and that was kind of annoying to deal with, especially when you're in the middle of the fight and you're trying to do different things. Yeah, especially if you're not thinking ahead and you get into 
almost like a boss type fight and you forgot to swap out a uh, plasmid or something. Yeah, and then it would just get to a point for me on Bioshock okay, Infinite where I would just stick with like certain kinds of weapons or just certain kinds of plasmids, like uh, the the electric one for Bioshock Infinite. I, that's one I would just use constantly in the game just to kind of just zap and shoot, zap and shoot. But that's kind of a technique you use through all the Bioshock games if you're a well-known player of that. So. Might have been Shock Jockey. Yeah, it was Shock Jockey. No, wait, Shock Jockey. So... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was the name of it. I, I forgot. I was looking at my bottle. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, like one of my favorites was, of course, Possession. Um, oh, what is the octopus one? Murder the Crows, and then I forget what the octopus one is. I remember the octopus one too, but it was like you could either like just it either push your enemies back, you could just like hold them, and what I would do is I'd hold them, take them over to the edge of the of the thing, and that would just drop them over the edge. Uh, you could also, if I remember correctly, uh, bring them closer to you. So I would like bring them close and then hit them with whatever melee weapon I had. I don't remember Infinite enough. I didn't play it that much. I have played through it maybe once fully, maybe twice. I don't think you even played the uh I did not. I did not DLCs. play the DLCs for it. Oh, I played the DLCs too, and I love that they were able to just kind of tie that into the original games. So that was really cool to kind of play through. And you also got to play as Elizabeth, which was actually kind of a nice change. The one thing I did uh, kind of have a gripe with when it came to the Bioshock Infinite was they completely changed it from, like, the original gameplay trailer. And that was kind of one of the gripes I had was they had all the setup where Elizabeth was going to do, like, so much more than yes. just open tears. And then it was just like, oh, no, we nerfed her down. Yeah, that was a major complaint I had. Which is funny because I just came across uh, yesterday the original gameplay trailer I had saved on Facebook and everything, and it popped back up in my memories. And I was looking at it and like, that is not how it goes. You guys screwed that. Yeah, and they made some Songbird in that trailer a bigger threat than what he actually was in the game. Like, how cool would it have been if you had to like do a boss fight against Songbird? I mean, you kind of do in a way. Close to the end. That's not... You weren't controlling it, though. You weren't really, like, shooting at it or anything. So, yeah. I mean, like, if, if it just landed, like, right in front of you and then you had to, like, shoot all, all its weak points and avoid all of its attacks and wings and all that, that's a boss fight. Yeah. That would have been a lot better. I can't wait for when we finally get to doing Infinite for the podcast and be able to tell... A detail that I found about Bi um, Songbird. Songbird that I did not know, and now that I found out about it, it I mm, I can't unhear or see it. Yeah, I know. There's a especially in the DLC, uh, they go a lot into how that happened to be because it was uh, Su Chong and was it Fink that was the other guy. In Infinite, that was discussing back and forth. Yeah, it was from their discussions back and forth with each other was how the connection between no, the connection between Songbird and Elizabeth was how they created the connection between the little girls and the big daddies. Spoiler alert for that one for everyone. Sorry, I didn't mean to give that one away off the bat. 
that's fine. I mean, I figure we could probably do something where we can bleep it out or something. Yeah. We can so, yeah. And I, and I'm actually looking forward to like you go to the episode talking about just Father Comstock alone because there's like so much behind that. And it's really cool because I was just thinking about that earlier today. And yeah. for those who haven't played, for those who haven't played Bioshock Infinite, there's a scene where Booker and Elizabeth are like in this museum, and it's like it was, and it's like going through like the Battle of a Little Bighorn, and then I oh the Box Rebellion. That's what the other one was. And when you go into the Battle of Little Bighorn, there's a scene scene where Liz was talking about how apparently Comstock was took place in that, and then you hear the the Army General that they were trying to kind of fight against. You just hear him back yell, "Comstock was never there." But then when you look at to everything that goes on, you realize so much more about that. So I was just thinking about that little detail alone that I was today years old now, just realizing that <laughs> because it was from the box. It was from that battle that led up to other events that happened in Infinite alone. So it's just crazy when you look back on it and then think of how everything kind of just ties together in those small moments. It's uh, that, That's why I like about games like that, that get those big twist ending type things. And then you go back and look through the games on upon replay and like, wait, when could they have possibly hinted at this sooner? And, and I'm pretty sure Bioshock's done that quite a few times it, throughout all the games. It has. And it's sad that... I mean, it's not really sad, but, but you have to play it a few times to really Pick realize, up on those. Yeah. So, out of playing Curiosity, who would be the next one... Uh, not really next one, but... Uh, next thing you would like to have us go over for the first one? Um, let me see. So definitely Father Comstock in regards to Bioshock Infinite. I think that would be interesting. Uh, definitely going into Elizabeth's. Uh, maybe definitely Elizabeth and like her, their history and the powers and all that. Uh, I'm sorry. Give me a second. You're fine. <laughs> Yeah, I know when we get into Infinite, that's the one she's going to entirely nerd out about because that's the absolute favorite one. And I feel like we should have just started with Infinite first and worked our way backwards. No, <laughs> I wanted to start from the very first one and get through everything that's to do with the first one, then the second, and then we'll end it with the third one. And then not to mention the talk about a fourth one. I and of course. Wait. Of course, the dreary, Netflix. hopefully not going to be terrible Netflix adaptation for Bioshock. They've got a good team behind it, so they say, but... Netflix really sorry about that. Of messing stuff up. True. Oh, you're fine. We were talking about... Uh, we know for sure when we get into Infinite... It's the one she's most excited for, and we should have started just with Infinite first and worked our way backwards. Like I said, I wanted to start from the very first one, start from the beginning, and then work my way down. Yeah, so I got a four-year-old son, and he had to come in here to get something really quick, so... Oh, you're fine. We have a five-year-old and a one-year-old. Yeah, and so, but 
I would actually say that you would need to start with the first Bioshock game first because you need to go through that history, and then you and then when you do Infinite, that's what brings it all back. I think it would be difficult to start with Infinite and then try to explain everything from the first game. See, I told you. But they do it with. They did it with Star Wars. They Star Wars, dang it. It's like I have lo- I haven't had an interest in Star Wars ever since they ruined it with the latest three films. So I didn't mind seven. Seven wasn't bad, but this isn't a Star Wars discussion. We won't get into this. I'm getting <laughs> the look already. Stop. I'm getting the look already. <laughs> it's like I. I mean, I was a prequel kid, so that, those were my three. So, but I've watched all of them except I never did actually watch four all the way through. Just never got around to it. <laughs> but that enough about that for me. I, I have a distinct memory of when they brought the original trilogy back around, going to the theater and watching A New Hope with my dad. I have this memory, and then from there, we pretty much went and seen every Star Wars movie in theater since. <sighs> yes, I know. We're on Bioshock, not Star Wars time. <clears throat> You will shut up about it. <laughs> well, actually, that's kind of a perfect tie-in because I know at what point they were actually looking to make a Bioshock movie, and that's been up in the air for so long now because it's like it was in production, that they stopped, and I think I heard at one point there was possibly production starting on it again, but I don't know how that's been. I haven't heard anything else about it the, since. There is a thing happening with Netflix where they're doing something for Bioshock that they've got a director already figured out and writers and there's supposed to be a good team behind it but it's netflix branded so i could see it being more like a cgi animated series more like a live action movie i think that would work better than trying to recreate it with live action i just don't know how it would work especially if you tried to get someone to suit up as a big daddy how difficult do you think that would be to have to try to move around that suit in real life I know comparing different studios here, but Amazon is making a Fallout series, and it's live action, so I don't know. I've never played Fallout myself, so I wouldn't really know much about that to be able to say what I would think about it. Oh, it's awesome. It's definitely one I recommend. It's an RPG. It's great. For what I just found online, the director, Francis Lawrence which uh, was the director for I Am Legend and The Hunger Games, Mockingjay, is at the helm of the Bioshock movie. And is that so. still, like, in the works, or is it, like, on been shut down? No, that's, no, that's currently, currently in the works. in the works through Netflix. They just haven't released a uh, date yet for it. Ah, nice. That will definitely be interesting, especially those who are, like, fans of the game. They'll want to see how it looks. It makes me think of, like, when when the, uh, I forget what studio did, but there was, like, a live-action remake of the Full Metal Alchemist series. And I was a big fan of both the manga and both of the anime shows. So I watched the the live-action just to see how it was. And I actually, despite how much they had to change up for it to make it, like, a movie, I didn't think it was that bad. I'm pretty sure it might have been Netflix that did that. It was Netflix, I believe. Because they've done uh, Full Metal Alchemist, Bleach, Death Note. 
Oh, the Death Note one was horrible. Uh, Hands down, horrible. Garbage. It's because of that one. I'm I, hoping that Bioshock will not fail. Honestly, in terms of adaptations, there's a Japanese adapt live action adaptation of Death Note. It's a movie. It is the most accurate that is close to the actual anime. But anything Americanized when it comes to it, it does not. They do not do good. It's funny that we're talking about game shows and TTRPGs on this context because there's actually a, a company I follow that they create tabletop RPGs. And the guy actually made a free uh, R- tabletop RPG version of Death Note. Oh. That would make you and Jake happy. That's interesting. I'm curious about it now. It's an interesting one. It's really like you, there are some <laughs> dice rolls, but it's like you're playing as like either uh, you're playing as either Kia or L, and then like the different government agencies are like trying to hunt down a Kia or huh. was it Kia Kira? I forget how Kira. they pronounce the uh, Kira. Yeah, and one person at the table is Kira, and then only like the game master knows who that is, and then it's like, but you could also like you're doing like secret text messages to each other, kinda, talking about what's going on and all that. Kind of almost sounds like a um, uh, werewolf or. Um... Mafia or um, Town of Salem. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, I haven't. Pl- yeah, I remember Town of Salem. I haven't played that one in a long time, but that's almost yeah, kind of what that of, sounds like. Yeah, it's similar to that. And you have stats that you do for like rolls and stuff, and then it's like you either have to you have to try to hunt down Kira before he like kills everyone off, or it's like and ever, there's like different. It's basically like you're still kind of cooperating in a sense. But there's only, like, someone's going to... But this is one where it's like someone's going to win in the end, so. <coughs> Son of a bitch. And then, uh, for Bioshock, uh, you've heard that they've been uh, leaks about Bioshock 4, right? Uh, no. This is news to me. Apparently, the leaks suggest that Bioshock 4 was set in 1960s Antarctica. And the game's code name is Parkside. Okay, so we have a city underwater. We have a city in the skies. What would they do? Like a city of ice? Could be going back to more underwater. I guess in a sense, it's just everything's frozen. But I like. I think the city, city made entirely of ice, would be kind of interesting to see. They I could. just want to see how it all ties up. They could be living in icebergs. Oh, yeah, that is the question. Uh, does it take place, like, after the first Bioshock game? If I'm thinking timeline-wise? sixties, I think, so... Yeah, 1960s. Yeah, but when does the first Bioshock game take place? What years were that? Uh, hold on. you think I would remember this right now. You would think. As many times as you've played it, and we've went over it, yeah, well, I have a kid. I have two of them. I, I want to say it was like either the 40s or the 50s, but I could be absolutely wrong for all I know. It was a New Year's 1960s. party. 1960s. So it's supposed to be taken to this place at the same time. Ooh, I wonder if maybe Andrew Ryan... Oh, this is getting so good now, all the speculations about it. What if Andrew Ryan built a second city that no one knew about? And Infinite is supposed to like place in 1912 
Yeah, Infinite takes place way before the first Bioshock games does. I remember that perfectly well. But the thing with Infinite is it's time hopping. Yes. Because of Elizabeth's powers. You know, we're getting into stuff that we're going to be discussing <laughs> later on down the road. I know. It'll all make okay. sense once we start discussing it. <laughs> no, okay, so here's what I'm currently thinking. So it says that straight up it just takes place, in the first Bioshock takes place in 1960, exact. So what if it says it takes place in the 1960s, that means it would could possibly take place after the Within events of Rapture and all that. I'm sorry? Within a 10-year span. We've got from 60 to 69 at least. So what if, and here's what I think, I'm thinking, okay, Bioshock 1 happens, Jack escapes, and then, oh, I just had a thought, when does Bioshock 2 take place? What years does Bioshock 2 take place? I'm working on it. Uh, no, I don't need to know where. I need to know when. Yeah, hold on. I'm looking it up too, and I'm I'm using Wikipedia, so I could be absolutely wrong again. But this 1968 might... in an alternate history about ten years after the events of the first game. So the first game takes place. It says, in, according to this, in 1958. Uh, wait, so the first game takes place in 58, and the second one takes place in 68? Yes. Hmm, okay, this changes how I was thinking about it. I had this whole great concept of, like, what if Jack and the daughter that survived, like, got, like, it becomes, like, one of those, like, two play, two different people aspect games, where it's, like, they're both on this same mission, okay, and they just but... wind up meeting. <laughs> so what if, I mean, that could still be a possibility with everything that we know from infinite with the time hopping and stuff so what if it's andrew ryan built a second city that nobody knew about yet in the antarctic under secret and had a contingency plan for that in case if anything had well thought of a contingency plan after the events starting off creating leading up to the events of the game started a contingency plan towards the second city where he could escape and go to it should anything happen. But the events of Bioshock one happens and now there's this other city that nobody knows about. Nothing's going on with it. It's kind of left alone, but with the events of infinite tying into the time hopping, you're able to, you know, find out about the city. Okay. Well, the thing though, was when I think about it is if we take Bioshock given into consideration about it, is even with the time hopping, the events of Bioshock one and two still remain unchanged because it was literally the events of Bioshock. Infinite. if you play the DLC, Elizabeth actually goes back after one part of her dies. Spoilers alert for everyone. Uh, part there's Elizabeth in the DLC. When you play through the first episode, she gets killed off by a big daddy. So Elizabeth from another universe comes into that one, and basically what happens is she loses all her tear powers and she's playing normally now. 
And she basically sets up the events for the first Bioshock game to happen with the Civil War happening and all that. Literally, the actions that do take place in the second episode of the D- of the Burial at CDLC start off the Rapture Civil War. So, in all in all, so if we you look at that, nothing really truly changes timeline wise with the game. All right. This is going to be interesting to see what they do with the fourth one, then. But I had a thought, what if the overuse of all the tears created this second city that just kind of just pops up out of nowhere? Now, that could be. What if, okay, what if the rapture that we go to in Burial at Sea isn't the same exact rapture that we know, but it is this rapture, different location, same timeline type deal? So this is basically we're making this a Dragon Ball Z trunks theory now at this point where it's yeah, like we much. go back to we go back to a past but it's not the past that we remember. Yeah, like if it's still the same things happen because if you remember in Infinite she says it's always a lighthouse, always whatever blah blah blah. She stepped out of the room for a second. She would know what I'm talking about. But what if it's that but instead of going to the rapture that we know where it's at, it's a different alternate rapture location in the Antarctic. Like maybe not like not like rapture specifically, but like a completely different similar basically kind of like an offshoot like side story kind of feel of it where it's still like the same concept because like you said, always a lighthouse, always a man. So it's another world that takes place at the same time at Rapture. But it's like a parallel universe where instead of it being underwater in, what was it, the Atlantic Ocean where Rapture was or something? Yeah. Yeah, so instead of being the Atlantic Ocean where Rapture was, it's this city now in Antarctica. Right. And basically kind of like the same thing either I see it like, this would be interesting, like there's an Arctic Arctic, uh, exploration going on and someone just happens across it. I think that would be the perfect way to introduce that see oh oh, see saying something like that's got another speculative thing going what about situation that we're talking about kind of almost the way i'm thinking alternate timeline type deals kind of in the sense of rick and morty where it's the same but slight difference to it where it's still going to be the same event something still happens the exact same so we still have the events of bioshock that happened but Location's different, not Atlantic, Antarctic, but the events already happened. The city wasn't destroyed entirely. An Antarctic expedition comes across to start drilling through the ice, and they find this city under the water. That would be a badass game. I think of it like, you know how like the very first uh, Transformer game, not game, the movie, where it's like the guy's like great, great, uncle or whatever he falls through the ice and that's how he finds megatron after falling underneath the ice yeah that's how i picture that's how i picture like they discover this antarctic city is they just fall through the ice and maybe the lighthouse like there's only like a top of it sticking up in the ice and the doors is like completely underneath the ice or they bust in through like a bathosphere chamber and then something like that it's defunct or something that ooh, this, it'll be interesting. I just hope they don't fuck it up. 
Oh, no, we're oh, still so talking about, bots. you know, four. I know. <laughs> no, that's what I'm meaning. I oh, hope. true, yeah. I mean, because it's been how long since Infinite came out? Yeah, well, I, well, I, well, we, he was talking about the whole like terror timeline thing, but I was explaining to him earlier that be, due to Burial at Sea, nothing truly changes in the timeline because what how the how you play Burial at Sea leads up to the Rapture Civil War and all that to where everything follows through for the perfect timeline for the original Bioshock games. So that's why yeah. I'm saying. But, but I also brought up the idea is what if the cause of all of all these terrors being used created this city at the same time. See, I haven't played the second DLC. I've only played the first. Yeah, well, there's the it's there's episode one, episode two of Burial at Sea, yeah. and episode two is what goes into all this, as I kind of explained earlier on here. Yeah. So, looks like I need to pick up Infinite. Yeah, you do. You <laughs> at least to. the DLC. Yeah, uh, I remember I had it on my computer, and then I was gifted a 360 from a friend, and then I bought the complete. Uh, physical like hard package of infinite so i have everything for on, on my 360 now for infinite i think i bought the dlcs when they came out for infinite because i was the one that i was into at the time just playing through it but i played through the first one and never played through the second one because i forgot it came out and never messed with it i remember the first time i actually saw the gameplay for bioshock infinite um there was a small uh, comic con going on in my town, and they actually had Bioshock Infinite set up on like a big overhead projector screen to people to like demo play it. And I never got to do the, have the chance to play it because it was such a long line for it. But just watching people play it was what got me hooked. And I actually, I think it was like right after it came out, I bought it. But then I also bought like the season pass for everything else, and so it gave you like uh, like different gun skins. Gave you access to all the different DLCs and all that that they've slowly released, but it was I really like like I said Bioshock Infinite for me I really loved it because it had such a great story that went that went with it. And I mean, with following the story from one to two to three, well, Infinite really kind of all looping back around to each other is kind of what drew me to it because it's like a you know bioshock infinite states its name at the end of the game it it's almost like a never-ending cycle you could just play through them all and it's cool to see when you get into infinite all these callbacks to the first and second games but mostly the first game and it's like oh okay so this connects this to connect this it's the Orbro snake eating its own tail. Yeah. So, I know this is going to pull it back a little bit, but since you played the first one, who is your favorite character in the very first Bioshock? If I had to pick a favorite character... Okay, so... This is actually, it's because of your guys' uh, lore cast that got me really thinking about this. I, it's not really like a favorite character specifically, but it's more like how the characters are viewed in the game. So if you had asked me at one point when I was like 18 when I first started playing by the first Bioshock. So I'm aging myself. I'm, I was 18 when I played it. I'm currently 30 years old. Oh, so that tells you how long ago this was. Yeah. And... 
I remember playing it through, of course, knowing nothing about like all the external lore and stuff for everything, thinking Andrew Ryan was just some American bureaucrat that just wanted to kind of do his own thing. The rivalry between Andrew Ryan and Frank Fontaine, to me, I was I would originally I was looking at it as there was two sides of the same coin, the evils of capitalism and the evils of communism. That's how I would originally looked at it. But now listening to you guys and now listening to everything. Basically, Andrew Ryan was almost the embodiment of the American dream. He came to America for a better life. He wasn't happy, so he decided to pursue happiness. And his happiness was was creating the city of rapture. But of course, it also leads to the point where ultimate power ultimately corrupts. And as you guys explained with your Lord cast, he got so full of himself, and so did some of the other bureaucrats that he brought into the city, that it, it eventually led to the downfall, and then we get people like Frank Fontaine in, which I would still say kind of still represents kind of like the evils of communism in a sense, to where like because some like <clears throat> trying to think of the words to explain it here, like he comes in, and then it's like he doesn't agree with how Ryan does is doing things, so he's like we all need to rise up against it, kind of like how you hear like some communist revolutions happen, right? So. And so I think in of itself, uh, it's ha- really hard to just pick like a specific character because there's so much that every single character brings to the table. Like Dr. Su Chong, if it wasn't for what he did with all of his experimentation, we wouldn't have our main character, Jack. And then just all that stuff. And I think it's funny that um, <laughs> I'm trying to remember there's a podcast that I listen to and they always tell the, the GM, would you kindly – uh, give us a detail of what happened, like the last episode, and it's not even a, like they're not playing like a Bioshock related thing or anything. This is just like a normal podcast, and they just like to say that a lot. So I think it's funny because it makes it made me think of Bioshock games. So yeah, but that whole thing behind the Jack and the Would You Kindly, I remember when I first the first time I played that game, and that was revealed to me, my mind was blown. The uh, first time that she really got into playing Bioshock and enjoyed it to the extent and we were dating, she tried to use the would you kindly on me. And it's like, no, see, I played Bioshock. I got you into Bioshock. You're not going to use it against me like that. And to this day, she has yet to successfully get one by me. I think I've gotten one. Nope. At least she's not using the yellow sun on you. True. Because that was the one that like would try to like stop your heart, if I remember correctly. Can't remember. I'll be honest. <laughs> well, going back to questioning, then, if we're talking about favorites and stuff, you you've asked medieval zombies hers, and we've discussed ours. I guess it's only fair. We might as well just set this up like a questionnaire by the time. <laughs> If we have more guests on, who's your favorite guest? What's your favorite plasmid? Yeah, what's Ultimately, your favorite weapon? Which, what's your favorite weapon to use? What's your favorite game altogether? Uh, plasmid, uh, shock jockey, hands down. Uh, just because I love the shock and hit, shock and hit. That was always my go-to method for fighting enemies. Especially if you get them in that puddle of water and you zap it. So for the first one, that'd be Electrobolt. Shot jockey is for infinite. Yeah, basically whichever plasmid or that you can use that gives you the electric powers, just kind of sum it up that way. 
Okay, and then what about weapon? Let's go with melee first. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of melee weapons, to be perfectly honest. Like, okay, the Skyhook was really fun to use because it gave you those, like, kill animations. Uh, didn't like the wrench that much. I thought it was completely useless for the first Bioshock. Uh, I always was a fan of shotguns. Shotguns were always my favorite weapons, no matter what game I'm playing. So give me a good shotgun or a really good, like, machine gun with a lot of ammo in it on a good day. Um, one, I absolutely do not like sniper rifles. They are hard to mess with sometimes, depending on the game you're playing. So I would say uh, so shotguns and machine guns for me. I would say, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. In most games, sniper rifles are just kind of annoying. But there, there's those few exceptions that sniping is fun. You mean like when you're hiding? Uh, no, not hiding. Just camping on the one side of the map while your buddy's on the other side of the map and you have a sniping war. I'm talking about Battlefield. But that's Or not... like, uh, sorry, I was going to say really quick. If you go up like against a big daddy and you have that grenade launcher already good to go, that's perfect. Yes. Yes. <coughs> so see, we've done character, we've done plasmid, we've done weapon. Where was your favorite place in Bioshock, the first one? Like, um, the medical pavilion. Favorite location. Favorite location. I would have to, I would tie it between, um, uh, the, uh, the piano man. I forget his name already. Uh, Cohen? Yes. Was that his Cohen. name? Yeah, Sander Cohen. Yeah, though, the theater area where you're doing all the stuff for him. And also, I would tie it with uh, the gardens. The gardens yes, were really cool. Gardens. Yeah, Gathers Gardens. That was a really nice little place to look at. That's actually something we'll be going over here soon. I'm actually going to have Medieval Zombies come and talk about since that was her absolute favorite. Like, she goes crazy for that. <laughs> Um, and if we're also going to name places, um, I want to say for Bioshock Infinite, um, the the, uh, the church where that you get the uh, the murder of crows from, oh, yes. that whole little house, because that really goes into a lot. Like that was kind of a dark root place, but it was really cool because they basically it's a place that worshipped Lady Comstock and basically John Wilkes Booth. They worshipped him. And that really puts you kind of a, a set a, a sense of like how messed up some of these people are in this game. But I thought that was really cool. And then the boss fight you had to do to get the uh, the they don't call them plasmids. In, what do they call them in Infinite? What do they call the plasmids? I can't remember. Oh uh, crap! No, I don't think they call them that. <laughs> Shut up. I know they didn't call them plasmids. They called them something else. I just can't remember the top of my head now because you drank them instead of injecting them. Vigor. Vigors. Vigors, yes. The Murder of Crow Vigors. That, that boss fight was fun too. And so, and then the, uh, and then like I was mentioning earlier, the, the museums you go through for yes. fighting that army Those general. Are... And then when the uh, Patriots come alive. Ugh. Oh, that freaked me out so bad. Uh, a hands down, scariest character in a video game to me will always be the Boys of Silence. Yes. Especially when you, that, well, this is going to be a 
What's the word I'm looking for, honey? I don't know. Uh, we're talking about something early on. I'm oh, honestly yeah, spoiler. I was I was kind of disappointed by the silence as a boss because I thought you were actually going to like be able like fight against those like helmet guys, but instead you're just fighting like their little like their acolytes or whatever. So I was kind of like disappointed, but the jump, but I did like the jump scare though. That got me. That one got me. Yeah, when you turn around and it's right behind you, and you just get blasted in the face by its scream. But I was expecting like a huge boss fight to happen with just like that guy alone, though. I think that one would have been made that scene more fun. Yeah, I need to replay Infinite. It's been a few years. Well, you've got options. Oh yeah. Got PC, we got Xbox. Switch. Switch, yeah. <laughs> so that's gonna have to wait for a while because I got Switch is BOW. And then Xbox I'm redoing Witcher Three again. Yeah, but I so just kind of going off on just what you guys talk about line like so one of my favorite episodes that from your guys' show was just talking about the civil war and all that led up to it cuz that definitely kind of cuz i knew so like again from the games you kind of know something happens but this is really going depth so listening to you guys go into it was real that actually was what really helped me kind of set more in concrete this uh, Bioshock tabletop uh, game I'm working on for you guys. Um, because it's going to take place after the Civil War. And you guys are going to be characters that are trying to escape Rapture. Ooh. That'll be fun. It will. I mean, because there are, as we found out, there are people that still in Rapture that aren't under control of splicing and stuff like that. Yeah, and that's also kind of like some of the so, so instead of like spells, what I I'm re, I'm I'm kind of fixing it to where in your magic points that you would use for spells, this is going to be like how you will use your plasmids. Like if you're like trying to use them in a fight or just for like a certain situation, it's going to take away from your magic, but also using the magic in game also affects your sanity. So this is going to be like so that basically so basically it's like the more you guys use these plasmids, the more of a change you guys are going to end up becoming splicers. Ooh, that's what I was, as soon as you started describing it, that's immediately where I went to. I was like, oh, do we get a chance to turn into splicers? Yeah, because there is basically a mechanic in Call of Cthulhu for like it's it's called it sanity. So you if you become insane, it's a whole different ball game at that point. I'm gonna check out this Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. <laughs> I really will. Yeah. I mean, I just me was like I was looking into Call of Cthulhu because I've been I've listened to a couple Call of Cthulhu podcasts and just listening to the setup for it because it's all about the scare factor in Call of Cthulhu. Like because you're just playing like kind of normal people that are dealing with like the supernatural and mythological. So I'm like, okay, this would be the perfect system to scare out my players. I just got to figure out how to create the big baddies, the big daddy stats, because I think that is going to be a really fun boss fight for you guys. Oh yeah, and not to mention since there's different kinds of big daddies. 
Yeah, I think I'm just going to stick with the original kind of design. I'm not going to try to go too all balls to the wall with it, so. <laughs> like, I'm, I think just, I'm excited. I think just putting in a big daddy alone in any game just makes it already far out as it is. Because of how just crazy those guys are in the game alone. I mean, they deal massive damage. They're tanky. They go from being nice to being completely mean in just two seconds. Although, it would be interesting to see how to do the hypnotize Big Daddy oh. plasmidness. Yeah, actually. Hold on. So I so one of the things I was doing was I was uh tra I was uh, recreating like Call of Cthulhu spells to be the plasmids. I don't know if that's one I've done yet. I was trying to focus on like the main ones like the electroshock, the jot, the uh the incinerate. I'm trying to see what I have here. Hang on. Um Okay, yes, I do have one for Hypnotize Big Daddy. And it's the spell Dominate from the game. And then I got Incinerate, Enrage, Sonic Boom, Electro Bolt, Security Bullseye, Target Dummy, Winter Blast, Insect Swarm, Cyclone Trap. And I haven't really quite found one to use for Telekinesis, so I may have to create my own kind of set uh, rule system for using the Telekinesis Plasmid in the Call of Cthulhu camp game. What are you thinking? Oh no, something I was reading. Oh, sorry. You looked lost in thought, like you were about to ask some profound question. I always look lost in thought. <laughs> so what? What? Uh, what's the timeline looking on your game? Well, you said after the Civil War. No, no, I meant for when he can actually have it up and going. Oh, oh. Sorry, you know how uh, my brain works. So I'm still working on it. Um, I'm I'm booked out for a couple months. Um, so I'm hope possibly either, possibly sometime I'm thinking during the summer is possibly going to be the best time at this rate because I don't have anything in set in stone for my summer months yet. So I'm trying to do like one big thing like a month at this rate just because I'm trying not to overdo myself. Because when Absolutely. I started this, I was. When I started doing this, I'm like, "Oh, I'm going to be able to record all these sessions and just knock them out editing back to back." And I was, and I learned very quickly how wrong I was in that regard. Oh, because, yes, because I'm literally because it's just me. Like, I don't have like any like set players that are on for every time. It's always changing. Um, and then I do the recording on my end. I do the editing all on my end. I've I've become a lot more relaxed when it comes to my editing because I was trying to be like perfectionist with it. And then I'm like, oh, no, I don't need to try to get rid of every blank space on my screen, right? which was kind of my big thing was everything that sounded like silence. I was like, nope, delete, delete, delete. And I'm like, and after a while, I'm like, okay, I can leave a couple seconds here and there. It's not going to kill the mood of the game. If like there's like a couple seconds of silence between what one person says and what another person says. That's why we kind of switched up our formatting for the podcast a little bit instead of going from like where it entirely sounds scripted and read. It's both of us together discussing it at the same time. 
Not to mention, I no longer edit out when I mess up. Like when I stutter or I get a little flustered, I just leave it because that's how I am. And it, people are going to realize sooner or later that that's just how I'm in. So I just leave some of that stuff in. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, so that's kind of been my thing. So, but yeah, I just kind of take my time with it. I do what I can whenever I can, get them out there as soon as I can. And then I got stuff kind of lined up for the next year because I got big things that are happening with some other people next year. And they actually have people that do editing on their end. So, if I, so it basically will just be, I just have to worry about the recording and then they do all the editing, which will be a nice change of pace for me. So, Yeah, with us both working uh, bigger jobs and everything, we've had to be a little bit more relaxed with our recordings and stuff. But we're hoping once we get scheduling down better, we can start recording at least mass episodes and then batch slowly... recording. Was it? What did you say? Batch recording. And Where then we batch record a bunch of episodes, edit them, and then we can have a bank built up where we can release yeah yeah that's what i did for one of my uh cases that first ran i recorded like four episodes in a row and i'm like and i was doing kind of just like special one shots here and there because my thing i've been doing is i've been taking D D uh podcast people introducing them to city of mist so they're going from rolling all these different things to only having to roll 2d6 so it's just fun to see like how they play and how they interact with each other in this kind of a different completely different setting so that's been fun to do and then yeah i'm on the case that i recorded the four episodes i'm on like like the final episode but i'm also doing a different segment which is i'm just interviewing people in the ttrpg community just asking about them and what they do and just talking about all sorts of other things as well so just kind of a fun thing to do on the side besides just running a game all the time that'd be another podcast for you to listen to yeah you're always listening to D D. Always listen. Uh, yeah, eh, not much lately, but yeah. I mean, you were listening to uh... Nadpod. Yeah. I have so many different podcasts in my library. It's hard to like keep up with all of them. Like, there's like I try to like I have the ones that I listen to as soon as they're out, and then I try to binge whatever I can most days. And I'm also busy with work. My basically my only days I can do most of this are like Sundays and Mondays because they're like the two days I have off because I'm like so set in my schedule. Yeah, with my schedule, I work evenings, and then he works mornings, afternoons. The only times we ever get is weekends. Weekends, but then we have to worry about the kids, so. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Like I said, four-year-old son, and he's at that stage where he's trying to be super independent on everything. So that's been fun to deal with. We're getting into the walking stage ourselves with our one-year-old son. He's he's developed independency quite well, but he independently chooses not to walk. Knows how to, refuses to do it. All right, so I'm trying to think here. I'm trying to get us. I'm trying to reel us back into Bioshock stuff. Now <laughs> we keep we keep going off topic, but it's been fun. I like just coming on here, things like this, and just being able to just talk openly about stuff. However, it ties into so. Yeah, 
that's kind of what these episodes are meant for. Just kind of rambling on, as long as we stay within the realm of what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I'm trying to think. Um, trying to think of some other things that stuck out with me when I was playing Bioshock. Um, so even though I never played Bioshock 2, I really did like the aspect that it really got more into like the big daddy side of things. Whereas as like even in DLCs, you're playing as like other big daddies too. So I thought that was an interesting concept. And then the fact that one of them has a daughter also really kind of was interesting because there's a whole thing that goes into that as well during the second game. And like I said, I've never played it. I just know about it. So I know basically a general gist of what happens in that game. I still think it probably would have been better off that they would have added that to the first one. I think it would have gave it a... Oh, not really a spookier aspect, but it, to me it would tie a lot better. Finding about Subject Delta and all that, it just, I feel like it would have flown a lot better in the first Bioshock. Yeah, I think I would have agreed. The only problem was they had to take place, I don't know how many years after the first game, though. So I think that you would have had to, like, really had to change the timeline of things in order to make that work. But I would, would agree with you in that regard. I think my favorite part of it was the story about the one big daddy that had to like find the machine and it turns out oh it's this guy's like conscious it's like no you're playing as one big daddy you have this one guy that's talking to the big daddy this whole entire time and then the computer's like oh no and the computer's like spoiler alert oh no you're this guy and i just you just upload your consciousness into me after they turned you into a big daddy i know the second game takes place the start of the game is right after or right at the New Year's Eve. Eve party, and then the rest of the game picks up ten years later. Yeah. If I remember correctly, I think. Actually, yeah. Yeah, I think you play as Subject Delta at the beginning of the game, and you get knocked out or something like that. Yep, you get knocked out, and you get shut down pretty much, and then ten years later, you wake back up. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, but I think by the time you actually do play the game of Bioshock 2, it takes place sometime after the events of the first game, though. I don't think it happens during the first game. It's sometime after that. You're right. It, the, it actually starts up like right during the Civil War when it starts, but then when you actually start playing, playing, it's like sometime after the, first, the events of the first Bioshock game happens, if I recall correctly. Yeah. In regards to moments from Bioshock 1, uh, especially one that I got to thinking about that stands out, is the baby carriage. Apparently that got changed. Well, what I'm meaning is they have... It is so iconic to Bioshock that they have referenced it in another game of itself, which they put in Infinite. And then it has also been referenced in other games. Or something similar of the sort has been referenced in other games. Yeah, uh, I'm not I'm not familiar with the baby carriage thing you're talking about. You may have to explain that one to me. In Bioshock 1, you, it's near the Med Pavilion, isn't it? It's towards the very beginning of the game. Right after you get the plasma and everything, you're going to the elevators and stuff. 
Yeah, there's a woman with a baby carriage, like a stroller type, and she's crouched over it, talking to it, and if you approach her, she turns around on you and starts attacking you. Yep. And the only thing that's in the baby carriage is, uh, what, a teddy bear and a gun? Yes. And that's where you get the revolver. Oh, yeah, 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 I remember that now. Yeah. I completely forgot about that scene. They reference it in infinite i believe yeah i think midway through the game and then there's another game series that made that reference and there's other games that have made like that exact reference but had like changed it a little bit so it's not exactly the same but it's just it's cool to see that it's even something small like that that's Influential, influential. Yeah, I definitely like. Um, makes me think about the whole backstory between uh, Booker DeWitt and Elizabeth. How that all started in the Bioshock Infinite game. That's really cool about. And then it finally, once everything kind of comes around, you get to see like exactly what happened. So that was definitely interesting, and also kind of a. Uh, it also was weird at the same time because there were people that were like, they were shipping Booker and Elizabeth. I think before that yes. revelation was kind of more made clear. Yes. So. <laughs> well, I mean, cutting back to our Star Wars talk earlier, I mean, that just kind of goes back to that. Oh, shush. People were putting Luke and Leia together and like, yes. And then it was revealed <laughs> that they're brother and sister. And they went, oh, no. Oh no! Oh no! Oh yeah! <laughs> yeah, so it's like, so if you were to take that aspect out of that, be like, oh, that's cute. Then you put the aspect as like, it's like, oh no. Sorry, I'm looking at characters. So out of the uh, first game. What we haven't covered yet, is there anything particular you would like to know see more us do about? Next? Yeah, that too. <laughs> uh, what was the question again? I only caught like part of that. I'm sorry. Out of the first game of things that we haven't covered yet, is there anything that you're looking forward to us covering? Um, oh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of everything that's been gone over so far. You guys went in, you went in detail on the plasmids. You covered the majority of the main characters that played a part in the game. We have a couple that we're going to do here soon. Uh, including uh, uh, Julie Langford. I mean, I think I would say you guys are about ready to honestly either go up into like Bioshock 2 from that point because there's a few characters in Bioshock 1 that also have main effects on the Bioshock 2 game itself. So I'm interested to see, start going in that direction. Um, I know here soon we'll be going through the history of uh, each area too. The locations. So like, yeah, like the medical pavilion, Gatherer's Garden. Garden. Oh, and I need to share this thought really quick before I completely lose it, but go th 
talk about the big daddies and you think about the big sisters that contacts what if in bioshock 4 the arctic city is full of sentient big sisters and big daddies that like escape their like programming that would be interesting what yeah if because the... well we're getting back I... into this again I was going to say really quick, because you see at the end of that DLC that one big daddy basically kind of broke out of his own programming and removed most parts of his outfit. So I'm saying, what if there were others that were able to do the same? And in order to escape like Andrew Ryan and all that, they basically made it as far as they could and ended up making their own little kind of colony in Antarctica. That's where I was getting ready to go with it. They're all escaped and have their own city. Yeah, see, here soon we're going to be doing all the different areas. Um, audio diaries and codes. Uh, and then, like I said, uh, we're going to be Julian Langford. I'm trying to... I don't think we really have any other big name characters, unless there's somebody in particular that someone wants to know about. What about the uh, the main bad guy lady from the second game? Because she's mostly in the second game, that's when we're going to talk about her. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I was trying to think. Did you already talk about the, uh, the doctor lady? Are you talking about Julie Langford? Yes. She's someone who we'll be talking about here soon. We okay. have a scheduled episode that we'll be doing with uh, medieval zombies. Yeah, because she has a she has a part in both games. I remember that. So, and she played a main role in the first one too, big time for how about the little sisters and being able to save them and all that. And I really can't think of anyone specific at the top of my head for the first Bioshock game or anything that needs to be like covered. I think y'all did just such a good job of covering the majority aspects, even going all the way as to like explain all the different plasmids, which I did not realize there was that much. You neither did I until I was going through and doing my <laughs> research. But yeah, like I said, we'll be going over um, the history of audio diaries, uh, the codes throughout the game that you find, uh, you know, just little nitpick stuff. And then uh, the different areas, the how they were brought, who was in charge of the area, um, that kind of stuff. And then, like I said, there's a couple other people, last-minute people that we want to go over. And then I think we'll be done with one and start with number two. Uh, I will say one thing I'm looking forward to when you said audio files and made me think about this is when you get to finally doing Bioshock Infinite – and you start going into Lady Comstock. Because when there's because when you get to that point in the game and you're collecting the aisle files from that point, there is so much to it. Just the aspect from Lady from what happens from Lady Comstock's perspective alone and just her how she was seeing everything going on. Oh yeah, it really changes your perspective on how you're looking at things when you're playing the game. I can't wait to start going over the Latest twins. Yeah, that's another thing I was thinking of because they're twins, but it's like they're basically still for like different universes. Like it's basically it's the male, and it's the it's like what it's like what they basically they're gender bit versions of each other. 
Is there any last limited things you want to talk about? I think we're going to probably start cutting this here soon. Only because I have to go get my kids. Um, I don't have anything else. Uh, I'll throw in a shameless plug here if what? you want to. <laughs> I was going to say, Hunter, if you want to tell people where they could find you at, if you've got stuff for them to listen to or whatnot. Yeah, uh, you can find me uh, on Instagram. It's a uh, Mist Unk Podcast, M I S T U N K Podcast. I'm always active on there. Uh, I avoid a lot of the majority of other social medias because they are toxic AF. So Instagram has been my favorite one. And so I stay on there. And then you can find my podcast, The Mysteries Unknown Podcast, where I play City of Mist with various people. And it's on all of the uh, podcast platforms so far. So Spotify, Apple, uh, Google. Uh, I know I'm, a, I'm a Pandora, iHeartRadio. If you Basically, if you listen to a podcast on it, you can probably find it there. And so I just take people through City of Mist. I've just been doing one shots, and now I'm releasing the new Behind the Mist segment where I just interview other people. And as I already said, I am working on a Bioshock called Cthulhu one shot for the lore cast for this uh, Rapture lore cast to take place in, where they will be a cup where they will play as like a couple trying to escape the city of Rapture after the Civil War happens. So I'm still working on that, and I'm hoping to get that done soon. Well, we're excited and we're happy that you were reached out and to do this with us. Uh, just keep us informed. You know, you can email us whenever and we'll get with you. Uh, we'll try doing just regular discourse sessions if you want to, just to talk and go over stuff. If you need any help with anything, need any more uh, background history on anything before Bioshock, you know you can reach out to us. We'll set up a time and we'll just get with you, help you out when you need it. Yeah, I've already listened to the whole library of your guys' show, and I keep and I just keep on looking to see when the next one's dropping. So I always look forward well, to the next episode. So we'll have this one up here soon, and then, like I said, we're gonna have a couple of episodes up uh, as soon as possible. It's been a little difficult with everybody catching sick and trying to get everybody over to do the recording. So I'm hoping to have another one up in the next week or two yeah i know, completely understand that and so like the bioshock uh, tabletop uh podcast i was listening to earlier they just started uploading episodes again after like being gone for like i don't know how long and but like you'd be surprised at how many episodes that you can listen to in a 10-hour work window so oh, i believe it i usually work 10 hours nine and a half hours stuff like that and always listen and trying to find hour-long episodes to watch to fill the time yeah, so I'm very glad that I got to come on here after uh, trying after having to reschedule every, for like two months. <laughs> so I'm glad we fi- I'm glad we finally got to be able to do this. And I thank you all for just letting me come on here and just get able to talk about our, one of our favorite games. So because definitely Bioshock does rank on the top of my list for favorite games just from the story aspect of it alone. Oh yeah, and thank you again for reaching out for us and be down to do this. Yeah, and I hopefully I will try. I still, like I said, I still got to homebrew a couple things for that Bioshock one shot I'm going to run for you guys. But once I do done, I can't wait to send that email like, hey, it's ready. Who wants to die now? Awesome. Can't wait for that. <laughs> All right. Yeah, because that's kind of the that's kind of the meme with Call of Cthulhu is no one survives. Good. All righty. I'm going to die a splicer. Yeah, of course you are. 
All right, Hunter, it's been great talking with you, buddy. All right, great here, and I look forward to seeing you next time in the city of Rapture. We will see you then. This has been Rapture, a Bioshock Lorecast. We want to thank you for joining us, and we hope you follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as we go along our journey into the history and the lore of the Bioshock series. Let us know who you would like us to go over. Also, would you kindly leave us a review and follow us on our new Twitter at A Lorecast. And also, join us for the next episode. <laughs>